I haven't really woken up oh, until I've had my McDonald's breakfast deal. And I know this is true because before breakfast, I put my phone in the refrigerator and couldn't find the keys that were already in my hand. Nothing gets the morning going like the first sip of an iced coffee. Get any size and any flavor for 99 cents until 11 a.m. Price and participation may vary. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. McDonald's. I'm loving it. We're going to be learning Chidusha Rabbeinu Chaim HaLevi, the fourth piece in Hilchos Machalos Asuros. This is Perak Tes Halacha Tes. The case the Ramam is talking about is the classic case everyone uh, thinks about, that a little milk falls into a meat dish. And Rab Chaim is going to develop a distinction between different ways of nullifying milk when it falls into a meat dish. Uh, this is a distinction which we came across in Hilchos Chametzu Matzah, and the Rab Chaim is also going to discuss it in the last piece in Hilchos Machalos Asuros. The Rambam writes, Nafal chalav al-basar, milk falls into meat, so we taste the piece of meat that the milk fell into it. If you can taste the milk, then it's prohibited. And not only is that piece prohibited, but the entire dish would all be prohibited. Uh, that's based on a rule called chaticha nasis nevela, that the entire piece now becomes a prohibited piece, and it can then prohibit the rest of the dish too. Then the Rambam adds that in order to nullify the whole piece, so then umisharin bekula imhaya bechol sheish bakadera, you look at everything else in the dish, all of the vegetables, all of the sauce, everything in the dish, and if it's more than a 60th of that piece, a 60th is always the number that nullifies a little amount. So if there's more than a 60th equivalent to that piece, then just the piece is asr, vahashar mutar, and the rest of the dish is mutar. That is the Rambam's psaq. Now, the Ravid questions this. He says, Anu omrim shamanu min uh, says the Ravid, we hold that we only apply this rule of Chaticha Nasis Nevela only according to Rabbi Yehuda's position. He's more strict in a case of Min Bimino when they're the same species, but one of them is Aser and one of them is Mutter. So according to Rabbi Yehuda, we say Chaticha Nasis Nevela, but according to the Rabbanan who are more lenient, we do not say Chaticha Nasis Nevela. So that's question number one. Why should the Rambam hold like Rabbi Yehuda against the Rabbanan? And then second, the Ravid raises the issue that in a case where you didn't mix the piece of meat, which had the milk fall on it, into the rest of the dish, he says nobody's going to hold that it's prohibited. And he proves this. The Mishnah says that if you mix it in with the rest of the dish, then it's prohibited. Says the Ravid, according to the Rambam, why do you need to mix it at all? Once the milk falls on the piece of meat, that whole piece of meat is chaticha nasis nevela, it's all prohibited, and it has juice which is oozing out of it into the rest of the dish, so automatically the rest of the dish should be prohibited. Why does the Mishnah have to say that if there's enough milk to prohibit the rest of the dish, then it's prohibited? Why are we focusing on the milk and not the actual juice of the piece, which is totally prohibited. So uh, based on this, says the Ravid, we do not say chaticha nasis nevela. We don't say that the whole piece where the milk fell on it becomes usser in and of itself. It's only the milk which is usser. And if there's enough milk to make the rest of the dish usser, then it's usser. But if there's more than a 60th equivalent to the milk, not to the whole piece, then everything is allowed. So this is the Machlokas, the Rambam and the Raivid. The Rambam holds that the entire piece where the milk fell is all in and of itself usser, 
and you need 60 equivalent to the whole piece. And the Ravid holds that you only need 60 equivalent to the milk itself. Now, Reb Chaim asks on the Ravid's first point that we only say Chaticha Nasis Nevela according to Rabbi Yehuda, who's more strict in a case of Minbimino when they're the same species, that what do these two things have to do with each other? If you hold the Chaticha Nasis Nevela, so then when we're evaluating that piece with regard to the rest of the meat dish, then we apply Minbimino because they're the same species, they're all meat. So then we could say that according to Rabbi Yehuda, that min bimino is strict, it's not nullified, so in that case too, it's the min bimino and it's not nullified. Only according to the Rabbanan is there nullification. But according to the Raivid, that this is not chatichanasis nevela, so we're not dealing with the meat piece, which is prohibited, we're just dealing with milk, and milk and meat is not min bimino, it's two different species. So why is the Ravid applying the idea of min bimino in this case when he does not hold chatichanasis nevela? Min bimino would only apply when you're trying to nullify a piece of meat with other meat. But when you're trying to nullify milk with meat, so then it's not min bimino. And Rav Chaim throws in at the end of the first paragraph that to say that the halacha of whether or not we can say chatichanasis nevela has to do with min bimino doesn't make sense because it has nothing to do with each other, those two questions. So Rab Chaim explains that the machlokas between the Rambam and the Ravid centers on what the Gemara in Chulun Adaf Kufches says, that if you're able to wring it out, to shake out one of the objects from the other, so then it's still Aser. So the Rambam holds that this means that if you have milk and meat which are combined, even if you take them apart from each other, so now they're no longer combined, but the fact that this milk was together with meat means that both objects are now prohibited in and of themselves. Even now that they're separated, they're still prohibited. The rivet, on the other hand, holds that it means they're only prohibited when they are combined, but if you were able to separate them, then they would go back to just being a regular piece of meat and a regular piece of milk, and they would be allowed. It's only when they're combined that they're prohibited. And the Ravid's proof for this is, as we just said, that in the case where the milk falls on one of the pieces of meat, according to the Mishnah, it doesn't prohibit the rest of the dish from the liquid which always oozes out from that meat into the rest of the dish. Only if you would mix the milk part of it around into the rest of the dish, it would prohibit the rest of the dish. So this shows that only the milk is able to prohibit the dish, not the taste of the piece of meat. So you see that there are two separate things over here. The meat itself does not become totally prohibited, and that's why the taste of that meat is not a problem, even though it goes into the rest of the dish. So from here, the Ravid saw that if you're able to separate the meat or the milk from this mixture, then they would each go back to having their status of being permitted. So according to the Ravid then, when the Gemara says that even if you could separate the two objects, they're still usser, it does not mean that Chatichanasis Nevela, that the whole thing became prohibited in and of itself now, because once you have some milk in the piece of meat, but you can't taste the milk anymore, so then it's no longer considered basar b'chalav to make other things prohibited. Uh, the Gemara in Chulan Andaf Kufches says that if there's no nosin tam, it doesn't give taste into other things, then it's not derech bishol, that's not the way of cooking. 
And when it comes to milk and meat, so it's only prohibited if it's derech bishol, if it's like you're cooking. So in this situation where the, there's a little bit of milk in there, it's not like you're cooking it because you can't really taste the milk. And since you can't taste the milk, so that's exactly the Ravid's case where you were able to separate the milk and the meat. In this case, you can't taste the milk, so it's really just the taste of the meat. And according to the Ravid, if it's just meat, then it would not prohibit other things. So when the Gemara says that it's prohibited, even if you could be sochede, you could wring it out, it means that the piece itself that had the milk and meat together is not going to become allowed. Even if you remove the milk from it, once it became prohibited, it is prohibited. But it's not going to prohibit further things because of basar b'chalav. Once the taste of the milk is no longer passed on, so then it does not prohibit further food. So that's the basic explanation of the positions of the Rambam and the Ravid. Now, in order to answer the question that Rab Chaim asked on the Ravid, so he develops the key conceptual point of this piece. And that is that he says there's a major difference between the rule of min bimino is not batal, which means that if there's two things of the same species, you cannot nullify one in the other. And tam ke'ikar, which means that taste is not nullified. If a food is giving taste to another food, you cannot nullify that food, no matter how small it is. Says Rab Chaim, there's a key difference between these two halachas. In the case of min bimino is not batel, it means that the whole concept of nullification is suspended in that case. We do not say when it's min bimino, they're both the same species, that you can nullify either of them. Since they're the same species, both of them are always part of the mixture and there is no application of bitol whatsoever. As opposed to the case of tam ke'ikar, when one of the foods is giving a taste, there is nullification. If it's a small amount, we do nullify it, but there's a separate problem, which is that taste itself causes an isur. So even though the food might be nullified, it's still making the larger food prohibited because it's giving taste to that and taste creates an iser. And the proof for this, says Rab Chaim, is that the Gemara in Psachim, when it wants to learn out this rule of tam ke'ikar, that if a food is giving a taste, it's not batel from the case of nazir. So it says you have to have some way to learn it out, either a kalvachomer or a binyan av. There has to be some way that you're deriving other cases from nazir. You can't just say that from the fact that the Torah told us that it's not batal in the case of nazir, we automatically derive it to other areas of halacha. So it says Rab Chaim, if it would be a simple matter that there is no bitl when the food is giving taste, then we should be able to easily derive that from Nazir to other cases. The fact that we need a special way to learn it out means that it's not telling us there's no bitl. It's telling us there is bitl. This food is nullified, but now the Torah put a separate prohibition on a food which gives taste. And that was only stated by Nazir, and therefore we're not able to automatically learn it out to other cases. And another proof, Rab Chaim says, is that the Gemara says that from the word Mishras, when it comes to Nazir, the Torah says it's prohibited uh, to drink water which had grapes sitting in it. So even though it's not actually wine, but the grapes gave taste to the water. So from there we learn out, Tam Ke'ikar, that taste is prohibited.
Says Rab Chaim, there's already a drush in the Gemara in Chulin and Daf Kufiud Beis Hatemeim with regard to sheret to bugs. The Torah says Hatemeim an extra hay. So the Gemara learns out from there that Siron Verot Van Aser, the juice and the liquid of it is also prohibited. Again, because of Tam Ki'ikar, because there's a taste. So if so, why do we need to derive this halacha from the word Mishras in the case of Nazir when we can already learn it out from the word Hatmeim with regard to Sheretz? Says Rab Chaim, because in the case of Sheretz, it's talking about just tasting the Ta'am on its own. It's not mixed in with anything. So it's telling us that that is prohibited. But Mishras is adding, even if it's mixed into something, it's still prohibited. And according to Rab Chaim's approach, this makes sense because once it's mixed in, it's actually been nullified. And still the Torah is telling us that it still creates an Easter even though it's nullified. So these two places in the Gemara seem to indicate Rab Chaim's approach that when it comes to Tam Ki'ikar, the actual food is nullified, but the Torah still said from Mishras that the taste will still prohibit whatever food it gives taste to. So now coming back to the Ravid, says Rab Chaim, we could explain the Ravid's position because the Ravid holds that the whole issue of whether if you separate the milk and the meat once they were combined, it's still the same prohibition or not depends on how it was prohibited. Is it the ta'am prohibition, meaning it was nullified and still prohibited, or is it the min bimino, meaning it was never nullified? If it's a tam ke'ikar problem, that means that essentially this food is nullified, but the Torah said that because there was a taste, it's prohibited. So even though the piece which was prohibited is not going to become allowed anymore, it's going to be prohibited forevermore, even if the milk is removed from it, but that's only with regard to that one piece. But future pieces, if the milk and the meat are removed or if only a taste of meat comes out of this piece, then it's not going to prohibit future pieces because the Torah did not say that that sort of tam is also prohibited. So since the food itself is nullified, it's not going to prohibit the future pieces. As opposed to, in a case of Minbimino, if it's the same species, where there was no nullification whatsoever... So then it is going to transfer to the next piece, even if the prohibition came from some other object being mixed in with it. But once we can apply the min bimino, so there's no nullification and it's going to continue to prohibit the future pieces that it comes in contact with. Says Rab Chaim, this is exactly what the Ravid is coming to say in his comment. That since we don't say the meat juice, which goes into the rest of the dish, prohibits it. So the taste of the meat alone without milk is not prohibited because we don't say chatichanasis nevela. It doesn't become in and of itself a prohibition. It's only if the milk itself mixes in with other things that it's prohibited. So this is the, the equivalent case of the meat being separated from the milk. All that comes out of the piece is the taste of meat. And we don't apply chatichanasis nevela, even though the original piece is always prohibited because that's the halacha of the Torah. Once milk gets mixed in, it can never go back to being allowed. But future pieces, says the Ravid, unlike the Rambam, future pieces are not going to be prohibited just by coming into contact with the taste of this meat. So that's uh, the first step in the Ravid, that we don't apply the rule of chaticha nasis nevela, and he proves that from the Mishnah, as we've said. Then, says the Ravid, 
And in addition, the only one who would hold that this continues to be a problem is Rabbi Yehuda, because according to Rabbi Yehuda, there is still the problem of min bimino, even though we don't say chaticha nasis nevela, but since this meat is prohibited and it's now min bimino in the other pieces of meat, so we can't nullify the taste of it at all, and therefore it would be prohibited because min bimino is not nullified. But, says the Raivid, this is his second point, that only applies to Rabbi Yehuda. According to the Rabbanan, we do apply bitol even in a case of min bimino, and therefore this case of the Rambam should be allowed according to the Rabbanan. So this analysis of Rab Chaim explains why the Ravid is bringing in the concept of min bimino, which seems to be totally unrelated. At first glance, it's totally irrelevant to the issue of chaticha nasis nevela, but according to Rab Chaim's reading, the Ravid is now moving on to a second point, which is that even if we don't say chaticha nasis nevela, but the piece would prohibit the rest of the dish because of the halacha of min bimino, where there's no bitol. That's different than the ta'am case where there is bitol, there's just a separate prohibition. So that's why the Ravid has to tell us that even the Min Bimino problem is only according to Rabbi Yehuda, but not according to the Rabbanan who say there is bitol for even Min Bimino. Now, Rab Chaim ends with a proof to the Ravid's position, even though he's a commentary on the Rambam, but here he proves the Ravid's position from the Gemara in Hulin. Uh, the Gemara quotes a Brisa, if some milk falls on a piece of meat, once it gives taste to the meat, the piece becomes nevela, becomes prohibited, and it then prohibits the rest of the dish. That is Rabbi Yehuda's position, that the Chachamim Omrim, the Chachamim disagree, and they say, that it has to give taste into the rest of the dish. So the Gemara says that the machlokas here is about efshalasochto. If you're able to remove the milk from this mixture of meat and milk, does it still prohibit the rest of the dish? Then the Gemara asks, why are we saying the machlokas, Rabbi Yudah and the Chachamim, has to do with Efshar Lesochto? Maybe everybody agrees that even if you could remove the milk from the meat, it's still Aser, but they are disagreeing with Min Bimino, their old machlokas, that Rabbi Yehuda holds that there's no Bittol on Min Bimino. So in this case, there's no Bittol on this piece, which is now mixed with milk, the liquid which is coming from that piece is min bimino, and the Chachamim hold that there is bitol. That's the Gemara's question. So Rab Chaim says that there's a major problem with this question, and that is that the Brisa says in the Chachamim that ad shetitein ta'am berotev uvechatichos, until it gives taste into the whole dish, the juice and all the pieces and everything. Now, Depending on how we explain the Chachamim's position, the it is going to vary. If we say that the Chachamim hold that Efshar Lesochto is permitted, so then the it is the milk. The piece can't give the taste. It has to come from the milk because the piece is not prohibited. It's not Chatichanasis Nevela. It's only the milk which can prohibit the rest of the dish. But if we say that the Chachamim agree that Efshar Lesochto, even if you could remove it, it's still prohibited, their problem is that it's min bimino, so then the it is talking about the whole piece which got mixed in with milk. It's not talking about the milk, it's talking about the entire piece.
So how can the Gemara just throw around different explanations? We have to decide what is the Brisa talking about. According to the Chachamim, is it the milk which makes the rest of the dish prohibited? Or is it the piece of meat, the liquid coming out of that piece, which makes the rest of the dish prohibited? So Rab Chaim says that we're going to have to say that according to the Gemara's question, that itself is all included in the Gemara's question. In other words, it's saying why, according to explanation A, is the assumption that the it is talking about the milk. Maybe the argument is about min bimino, and the it is talking about the piece itself. But Rab Chaim says that that's a forced reading of the Gemara. It's a dochak. And there's a second problem that he raises. The Gemara concludes that the approach number one is correct. The Rabbanan are disagreeing about efshar l'sochto. They hold that if you could take out the milk from the meat, so then it's not going to prohibit further cases. And then the Gemara says, and they agree with Rabbi Yehuda, these Rabbanan hold that min bimino is not going to be batal. You can't nullify the same species. Says Rabbi Chaim, how does the Gemara know what they hold about min bimino? All the Rabbanan said is that if you could take out the milk, then it's not going to prohibit further. But where do we see that they agree that min bimino is not going to be batal? Says Rab Chaim that according to the approach of the Raivid, so both of these questions are answered because the Raivid, as we saw, holds that the prohibition of Efshel Sochto, even though you could remove it, it's still prohibited, does not mean Chaticha Nasis Nevela. It does not become Usr in and of itself. It's only usr in the sense that even if you remove the milk, it's still going to be prohibited, but it does not pass along the isr to the next piece it comes in contact with. The only way to pass along the isr is if you hold min bimino is not batal. So only according to Rabbi Yehuda would the next piece become prohibited from this piece of meat which touched the milk. But if you hold min bimino batel, which is what the, the Gemara is assuming in the Rabbanon at that point, so then it's not going to prohibit further unless there's enough milk to touch the rest of the dish. So that's why when the Gemara originally discusses whether the Rabbanon hold efshel esochto or min bimino is batel, in either case you're going to have to have the milk which can prohibit the rest of the dish. Because under no circumstances in either of those explanations of the Rabbanan is the piece of meat, the liquid that comes from it, going to prohibit other pieces of meat. The only way to do that, again, according to the Raivid, would be if you hold min bimino is not batal, then the liquid from that meat is going to prohibit other things. But in no side of the Gemara does it hold that in the Rabbanan. So that's why there is no difference between the two versions of the Gemara, what the it in the Brisa is, in both cases it's talking about the milk, which would have to mix with the rest of the dish. And this same approach will also answer the second question. At the end, when the Gemara says that the Rabbanan hold that Efshel Sochto is allowed, since you could remove the milk from the meat, or in this case, the taste coming out from the meat only contains the taste of meat, no milk, that's why the Rabbanon hold the next piece is not prohibited. So the implication is that if they wouldn't hold that, then the next piece would be prohibited. But again, according to the Raivid, Efshel Sochto, even if that is still prohibited, even though you could take the milk out, it's still prohibited, but it doesn't prohibit the next piece. It's only the first piece which is prohibited. The only way to prohibit the next piece would be if there's enough milk to mix in with the next piece. So how could the Rabbanon imply that if not for Efshel Sochto is allowed, if you would hold that even if you could remove the milk, it's still prohibited, then it would prohibit the next piece. 
The problem with that is that we, according to the Raiva, we don't say Chatichanasis Nevela, so the liquid from the meat is not going to prohibit them. So it must be that these Rabbanan, says the Gemara, do hold that Min Bimino is not nullified, and that's why they would have said that if Efshar Lesochto is prohibited, then the first piece would become prohibited. And then the rest of the pieces would come in contact with the taste of the meat. That's min bimino, and there is no nullification at all, exactly like the Ravid said in Rabbi Yehuda. And the only reason these Rabbanan disagree with that equation is because they hold that efshal sochto mutar, that if they get separated, then it's mutar. So in this case, where the taste of the meat was separated now from the milk, it's going to be permitted. I'm not saying you have to love football. We all have different likes and dislikes, people. Personally, I'm not a fan of the avocado. I just don't like the mouthfeel. But, but if you're someone who loves football, I mean, truly loves it well, my sportsbook app might be the greatest thing that has ever happened to you. Must be 21. Gambling problem? Call, text, or chat our confidential and toll-free helpline at 1-888-532-3500.